Podcast. You can liberate yourself because when these things don't matter so much, when I don't like this doesn't matter, when this is uncomfortable, when this hurts or this I'm fucked up or whatever that you connect to that thing and you can keep breathing and that the breath itself overrides any of the thought processes that are limiting, you can immediately and spontaneously heal. You can immediately and spontaneously release. And it's, it, you don't know it until it happens. Welcome, beautiful beings, to season two of the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast with your host, Harrison Ma. This podcast sets the loving intention of creating the mystical space needed to pull back the layers restricting health, alignment, and love. Now let's walk you home to your cosmic spiritual heart space. Good morning, evening, afternoon, beautiful mystical beings. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Feeling a lot of love, a lot of gratitude and pretty excited for this conversation today with this beautiful soul that I get to dance with in the cosmic realms. Before I get to her and dive into this topic today, just to set a foundation of love and gratitude. If you are a returning listener, thank you for being here. If you're new to the show, remember a way that you can support this chat and both the people here today is by sharing this out far and wide to a friend, a family member, and a lover that you think it can help. Make sure you listen to this show to the end to get all of the beautiful nuggets of wisdom. And if you have any comments, feedback, or review for this conversation today, you can head over to Apple and Spotify and leave your love over there. The beautiful guest I have today is the lovely Sarah from Effigy Breath. And Sarah is many things, and you're going to hear about her lovely story and the soul that she is. But for the new people, she is a effigy breathwork practitioner. She's a facilitator for this powerful company. And today we're going to get into really what effigy breath is, right? What is this kind of breathwork, how we can use it to connect to our heart, open up the divine feminine in many ways, the sacral connection, the trauma aspect of it, the elements of God, spirituality, and the deeper connection to ourself. And I say self with a capital S. With all of that, Sarah, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Hi. Glad to be here. Thank you. How uh how are you feeling, my friend? I know that you were sharing with me that you had an injury yesterday. How's the how's the body <laughs> feeling? <laughs> um actually feel okay right now. I'm <clears throat> I am a a devout DIYer and I was hanging wallpaper yesterday and didn't even do something very dramatic. I was just turning around and then my ladder wobbled and I fell and I believe I've torn my meniscus. So <laughs> I, uh, I've been hobbling around just, you know, it's no big deal. Just tearing your knee tendons. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> I actually feel pretty good. I have some tenderness, but I don't have, it's not super painful. So that's good. I think it's a, um, it's a lovely reminder of the, the fragility of the beautiful human form that we live in. Right. It's, 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 nice. it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to connect to this powerful spiritual being, but you know, we are human too. I think, that's a beautiful segue, Sarah, where I want to start with this before we get into all things effigy breath is, you know, hearing a little bit about who you are, the soul that you are. And I like to start these chats by 
spending a little time going backwards and you know we, we are about the present moment here especially when we talk about the breath but mm-hmm. our past does create us in many ways so i'd love to hear sarah you know what landed you in this work with effigy and what you know what was the awakening experience that led you to the beautiful practitioner that you are today yeah that's a great question and mostly because i think you know i've seen so many people in my life that's in my world from long ago to now. And I can see where like some people just know at a young age, like this is what I'm going to be. And I always thought that I was that person, like coming out of high school, like I loved musical theater and I thought that was how and where I was going to spend my life. And then I got to college and I went to theater school and I realized I was just a much better actor than I ever was a singer or a dancer. So I really focused there. And then that just became my world. But part of that now it's like looking back on it. It's like hindsight's always 2020, right? I look back on it. And part of why I loved being an actor was because I just love people and I mm-hmm. have always been empathic and intuitive and I could always see inside of a character and then be- embody it in some way. It was always really a part of my soul. And so it's, I'm skipping a little bit of the middle, but I'll- Well, Sarah, just to interrupt super quick, I I think, and we'll talk about this later, but I think that's really interesting, your your heart-opening connection and that empathic connection that you have to other people because, you know, plot twist here as a breathwork facilitator, that's a really big part of what you do now in this world, right? You need that skill and that sensitivity and that ability to- help people journey into themselves because it's not a sort of one and done hold the space and then let them go. You need to be that empathic guide to help them through the, the waves of their emotional expression. Right. That's the only thing I do. It really is. Like, I don't, I don't really know if someone, there are people that come into my class all the time and they're like, how do you know how to do that? And I'm always like, I don't know. Like even to this day, just certain things that come out of my mouth, or if I'm in person with someone and I put my hands on them in a certain way at a certain moment, they're like, how'd you know that that's what I need? I'm like, I didn't, I don't know anything. I don't really have some refined skill that I'm like, and this is what you do when this happens. It's not like that. So I think the only thing I'm doing is being intuitive and being empathic. Mm. That's the only thing I know really how to do. I would, uh, I would add a word to that. And again, we're going to talk about this later, but I would add a word to that. I would say you're being the channel, my friend, you're being a divine channel for totally that, that, Again, that that I'm going to name this this episode today connecting to the self, right? You're connecting to that that big self that's inside of you, right? That doesn't it's not restricted by that human nature, right? Right. I think you know a lot of what we talk about inside of effigy, which I can get into what effigy actually is, but what we talk about a lot is like the breath, the breath work. It's really just the way to access that spirit, your spiritual Mm. connection to the most high self that you are. And then, but what do you do with that? Right. It's like, there's only so much you can do. It's like, Oh, I connect to my spirit. I connect to my heart. I connect to my divine purpose. I'm connected, but then like, you still have to do your laundry. You've got to make money. You've got to be a person out in the world that's trying to affect and have like leave your mark in some way. And that's not easy. And I find that, you know, some people, I was just having a conversation this morning with a friend of mine about how some people are just really good at the external world, really good at it. They know how to make money. They know how to put the pieces together. And it's like, oh, Amazon, this is going to (laughs) be the most giant 
store of all time. Like someone had the forethought to put that all together and it's become a reality. And then the money and the enterprise that goes along with that. And that part of the external world can be very confusing for the spiritual folk like us of like, oh, I know what it's like to be in the divinity of the human experience. And so I think a lot of times where people struggle, it's like one or the other, right? It's like people, People that live in the mundane secular world who know how to make a lot of money and do mundane things really well don't always know the deep connection to spirit. But those connected to spirit, oftentimes I, in my experience, I run into people that it's not a lot of people that do both very well yeah. all the time. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, <laughs> I'll share about this soon, but that's actually how I felt after my experience with you, with the breath work mm. that we did. I was just sitting there. I, was like, I, I don't know. I have no idea how to integrate. I, I came, I landed back into it later, of course, but I was sitting yeah. in that space of how, how do I integrate what I'm, the space I'm in right now with, with this 3D world? So I think it's a very important question. Let's, let's go back, Sarah, because I want to, yeah. I do want to hear a little bit more about your story specifically. Yeah. Can you tell me about, and, and you shared this with me in our, in our session. And I want you to share it with people listening. You had experience connecting to plant medicine and, and, and marijuana. Can you tell me about that part of your story? Yeah. Well, the way you're making it sound makes it sound magical and spiritual and beautiful. <laughs> and it was not like that at all, but I'll take that. Um, basically I was, I had moved to Los Angeles after school and I had spent some years in Chicago and I moved to LA. And when I was in LA, I, um, started a business there. It was a dog walking business. And over the course of about five years, it just got huge. And I had employees and hundreds of clients, lots of money. It was pretty wild and crazy, but then it was just, it was hard work. And my relationship to my business partners was really challenging. And I quit one day. And the day that I quit, the day I quit, like the, I was just thinking about this recently about like my life is sort of made up of magical pivotal moments. And this was one of them where a friend of mine, <clears throat> she called me and she said, I'm seeing this guy up in Mendocino. Do you want to go trim weed? And I was like, yeah, I'm in like, when do we leave? When do we go? And a few weeks later I had rented my house out. I had a little bungalow in LA and I rented it out and I, we just left, we left the city and we intended on staying out there for I don't know, a month at the most. And we, I ended up staying out there about three months. And in that time, it was just this total separation from my previous life. It was not the big city. Like everything closed down at like 4 PM. I was in uh, Willits just up Mendocino County, way up to 101. Um, if you know, California, <clears throat> And it was just a lot of living out of my car, sleeping in tents. And then there was this like little group of people and we just rolled together for months. And I was just so in a devastation about losing my business and just like high in the woods by myself. But the magical part came when, um, at the time the guy, there was a guy out in Mendocino who we had made friends with my friend that I went up there with. And we, uh, he ended up letting us, whenever we were kind of in town, he would let us stay at his place. We just like bundled, bundled up in one of his bedrooms and we'd hang out. And he was doing a breathwork training with Elijah, my current business partner now at the time. And here's the funny part. I don't remember if I told you this, but <laughs> we, he would disappear for weekends, like in those 
months that I was out there, I think he disappeared a couple of times and somebody would be like, where'd Dave go? And then someone would say, oh, he's hyperventilating in Miami. And we would all be like, like not having a clue what, what it was. And we were just like making fun of him to his face and behind his back. And here I am a decade later. And this is hyperventilating. <laughs> all I've, I've just been hyperventilating for the past 10 years. Um, so it's a beautiful Dave, story, Sarah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's how I do my work now. It's like, I think I've said this to you too, is that like, I was a fool stumbling through an open doorway and I didn't know that that doorway was a doorway. I was just stumbling into it. So I met Elijah through Dave, my friend, and, um, he, he basically like <laughs> lured me in and was like, I need help with my business. You can help me on some projects. And I was like, I'm busy in the woods, man, smoking weed, like <laughs> I'm busy. And, um, and then, you know, it was just a cluster of life events happening. My father was really ill living in Kentucky with my mother. And so because I'd rented out my place in LA, I didn't really have any stability anywhere. And so I just started traveling with Elijah, doing the breath work and doing a lot of administrative work for him. I, I think the, the plant medicine part of your of your beautiful journey is really interesting because despite what the the human was saying and the funny part of you making fun of the hyperventilation you know i'm sure you know this sarah that you know plant medicines are a beautiful way for our spirit to come back into our lives right we definitely they're not the only way as you do see now through the breath but i think that they are a beautiful gateway of opening. So let me ask you a question before we get into all things effigy here, Sarah. Do you think the do you think if the the plant medicine of marijuana had not come into your life, do you think that this this expansion into effigy would have happened in the way that it did? You know, that's an interesting question because I've never looked at it that way. Ever. Um and I think that moment in was really a special one to me. And it wasn't just about, I've, I was never much of a marijuana user. And, um, and even when I was out there in the middle of the woods with all the plants, like I really wasn't, but you know, it's like when you're in a situation, you don't realize the context of anything until you're out of it. And it's like, you know, when you trim weed, it's all over your hands, it's oil and it's in, it gets into your system through your skin. So it's like, oh, even if I wasn't smoking it or eating it or whatever, I was totally immersed in the plant. Like it was all over everything. So I I really honestly have never thought of it that way. But that time was really special to me because of even Northern California, if anyone's ever spent time in Northern California in the fall, like it's It's such a special, it's very mystical. It's it's a wild place. Like the sky is so big and the stars are so clear. And I, we slept outside a lot just because we could. And there was just so much opportunity to be in nature. I mean, we were before the whole cold plunging was a, was a worldwide rave. We were going into the creeks and the ocean all the time, just getting in the cold water. It was just what we did going out there. And it was, it was just a really special time to like come back to my, to the earth. Yeah, that's like, the, I think that's the, that's the point there, Sarah. I think, yeah, I think whether marijuana was there or not, I think that this, this beautiful reconnection 
to earth in all the many ways that you experienced really opened up that channel for the spirit to start seeping in. So it's, I love it. I love your story, my friend. Let's can, go. Continue. Go. Well, I just want to say one more thing, because it's something that I don't know that I've ever said on a podcast before, but I feel like, you know, I've always been a seeker, but I didn't know I was a seeker until mm. I really became one like consciously. And I think Elijah, who's my business partner, Effigy is really his work, but it's our business that we have together. And I've really taken on the transmission of him and Effigy and like him as a channel and what's come through him. I've taken all of that and really catalyzed that to for my own being as a healer person. But mm. I think I was always a person that was seeking someone like him. I just didn't know that that's what I was doing. Like in my twenties, I was always reading those books and self-help and always trying to introspect and look for ways to connect. And I just didn't really consciously know that's what I was doing. So that time was also special because of that. It was like, I just smacked into this person mm. that I'd always been looking for, but didn't even know at the time that I had just smacked into him. Well, I, I think you said it yourself. I think, yes, you smacked into him, but there was probably a part of you that was attracting it. Right. You were reading all these things, being in the nature that you're at, the frequency that you're spending time in, that you're, you know, there's a reason I call this the cosmic love antenna, right? We are, we are attractors of the things that we want in our world. So I think maybe the the ego mind didn't plan it that way, but there was something behind the behind the curtain that was attracting this person in, right? And it's like, as, as I get older, and I'm sure you know this too, it's like, you think when you're young, it's like, I could go do this. I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. I could do that. But then the more you get onto a spiritual path, you realize like, oh no, there's only one road. Yeah. There's only one road here. It's only one road and you're either on it or you're not. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, let's, let's get into effigy now. And yeah. thank you for that. Explain those pieces of your story. And I think that really this this is we are speaking about effigy and we are speaking about you but these are two things that are mel melded together right this is not two entities mm -hmm. this is one entity that's holding hands so i think what would be good for people listening and what i want to do is actually share a bit of my experience first here but before Please. i do that can you explain just so we can go into that experience just give us an overview of what effigy is and maybe show us an example of what sure. the breath work is, because I think a lot of people listening have done many kinds of breath of work and effigy is unique in its own way. So let's go from there. Yeah. So effigy as a technique is really simple. If anybody wants the, to like get the actual, uh, breakdown of how it goes, there's, if you go on my website, there's a button right on the homepage that says learn the technique and you can go in and watch video, a short video that shows you exactly how to do it with a little, with more guidance. But just to give you an overview is, uh, it's a practice that's done laying on your back. It's three-parted. It's focused on the inhale through the mouth and into the chest. And you're really focusing on the inhale because inhale is, um, your life. Exhale is the death. So what we're focused on is living and we focus, we bring the breath into the mouth because you just get more air in that way. It's just, you just take in these big gulps of air and you fill up your chest. The chest houses the heart, the center of your emotional, spiritual love world. Like that's all right there in the heart. So that's where we're focused because that's where everybody's broken. So it's pretty freaking simple. So the technique is 
inhalation through the mouth as full as you can full, 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 hundred <sighs> percent until you can't go anymore. And then you let it out. over and over and over again for an hour without stopping. So if you've taken a couple breaths with me, just as you're listening to this, just do it now. Like take four or five breaths and close your eyes and feel what you feel. Something happens immediately. Mm -hmm. That's what we're after. So listening to you in this moment, Sarah, brings me back to the experience. (laughs) Yeah, it's visceral. Yeah. And I, um, I want to share a little bit now about my experience with it. And then we're going to go into, because there's a couple of components that you just shared describing it that I really want to break down for people, like the 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 breath, the the life in and the death out and the heart, the spiritual heart space and all of it. But I guess where I want to start with my experience was it's an hour of that. It's an hour yeah. of what you just described. And when you described it on the call and you preemptively prepared us for this, but it was still an experience in itself. There's, there's a lot of fear that came up immediately for me around doing that kind of breath consistently mm-hmm. for an hour. And mm-hmm. that uh, that was my theme, a big throughout, throughout the experience of the breath work was really surrendering into this idea of control. And there was a big flip for me. I always, and you explained this and we'll talk more about it in a bit, but you explained that breathing into the mouth in the way that this breathwork describes is actually feminine. It's the divine feminine because it's breathing through the nose. There's more control, right? When we breathe through the nose, it's, I always used to see it as feminine because it was a, it was, it was slow and breathing into the belly, but you flipped it on its head and said that, you know, the control of the nose makes it masculine and the, the, the sort of the abrupt and, and, and flowing of the inhale to the mouth, made it feminine and it was the releasing and surrendering into that. So that was big for me. That was big for me. The other element that came up a lot throughout the experience, and this is something I had heard a lot about and actually I've coached people around it, but never experienced it myself. And it was the, it was the dinosaur hands. Mm. It was the, it was the, what do you call it? Do you call it dinosaur? What is that? Tetany. Yes. So, for people that don't know what this is, this is the, is it, would you call it cramping? My friend, would you call it the cramping and the, and the, yep. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a, a, a a blockage of energy, but keep going. Cause I will respond to all of this, but keep keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So the sort of a cramping of the hands, bit in my feet, but mostly in my hands. But Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, throughout the experience, once I, again, surrendered through this, Right at the end of my experience, I actually noticed, um, and for people listening, you might be familiar with this, if you tuned into previous episodes, uh, some light language came through and my hands actually shifted from being tight and in control to mm. then releasing and and some, and all I can describe it as was there's a lot of, there was a lot of healing I was doing on myself with my hands that were mm. then unlocked. And then finally... And I want to get your thoughts on this topic at large, Sarah, but I had a lot of sacral release, specifically uh, trauma release through my sacral, through a lot of memories, emotions, feelings, beliefs, and thought forms being let go of, but a lot of sacral um, 
healing, put very simply. Mm. So mm-hmm. those happened in the hour and there was a lot more little little extra aspects, but those are sort of the themes that I journaled on and integrated after the session. So I guess I'll throw back to you, Sarah, what yeah. comes up? What comes well, up for you? I think, well, beautiful share. And I feel like what you're talking about is so, um, so specific to you and also so general for anyone that has um, gone through the effigy process. Like everybody knows what you're talking about. The fear. The first thing that you talk about is the fear. And I think this is one of my most favorite subjects because I don't look at it as like fear. I look at it as resistance and the breath itself, like you're doing it right now. We're all just breathing, not consciously. Maybe as soon as I say you're doing it right now, all of a sudden you're thinking about your breathing. Right. But that's the beautiful thing about the breath itself is like, you can manipulate the lungs are the only organs that you can manipulate consciously. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, of course, someone might object and say something like, oh, liver, I'd like you to do this now. And maybe that happens. I don't have evidence of it, but like the, there is direct oh, yeah. evidence of like, I can manipulate the lungs. I can manipulate the breathing. So the breath doesn't, your breath doesn't create anything. It's not creating the fear. It's not creating the resistance, but what comes up is what's there because it's yours. It's already there. So all you're doing is using your breath as the mechanism to access the fear, access the resistance. And we can say that about every single thing that you shared, right? We're just using the breath as the way to come in contact with those deep things that are inside of yourself. And like the fear and the resistance, like I I always tell people that come in and then their eyes get big as their head. Like what? We're going to do that. I can't do that. Am I going to pass out? Am my mouth going to get dry? Oh my God. Am I going to die? Like what's going to happen? But to me, it's like, if you don't have a little bit of that, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Let me jump in here, Sarah. Cause I think this is so important for people to hear because these, these layers of fear that the breath helps us surrender through or layers of resistance, as you're saying, we're all walking around mostly unconsciously with these there. Like the, as you said, the, the, the breath, the breath is not only helping us surrender through them. It's also illuminating them. Most of us are unconscious to these layers of resistance are unconscious to these layers of fear and the breath in this fashion, from what I experienced, it, illuminates them and then gives you a choice, right? You can, you can at any point, and you actually brought this up a lot in the session and I was really, I was very um, uh, encouraged by it. At any point we could stop at any point we could go to the bathroom at any point we could just, you know, stop, but we have the choice to keep going, which I think is really powerful. Uh, Keep going, Sarah. Yeah. Hold on. There was something you just said that I thought was. um... Layers, fear, trauma. Uh, yeah. Choice. What did you say? Choice. It, yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like this is the, the main thing. Like, well, first of all, we're human beings, right? If we don't have resistance in a way, we're kind of not in the, in the human experience, right? Like there's and Oh, you were talking about like, we're, we're walking around with all of our stuff all the time, but are we conscious with it? And what the breath does is what we like to say is contact with awareness, make contact with the fear, make contact with the resistance, but with your awareness, with your consciousness so that it can clear if it needs to instantaneously. That's the beauty of what the practice is. And unlike other 
breath practices where you're trying to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, this in its own way is the exact yes. opposite of that. It's like it's sympathetic. It's totally sympathetic because if you have something like what, this is what I was coming to when you were speaking is like, if you have anxiety, right? I look at anxiety as energy pointed in the wrong direction. It's life force. Anxiety is just energy that is not being organized correctly. But if you come in and you have, are a person with quote unquote anxiety and you start breathing like this and you're in a safe place, you're like laying on your couch in your home and you can activate that anxiety, but you can make contact with it from your awareness rather than being out, I don't know, at the grocery store and you run into somebody and all of a sudden you get triggered and then you're inside the anxiety experience without consciousness. It's just as if something's happening to you. But if you can make contact with something based on a technique that you are doing to yourself, your own choice that you are making to contact it, it's can you're free. Yeah. You're, you're completely you're, free. You're de-identifying by it. You're becoming you're becoming the observer in many ways, the active observer that's being in it. Right. You're detaching yourself from it's the it's the meditative practice of instead of reacting, we are responding, right? We're conscious choice right. to make it. Right. Right. And you can't, um, you can't unknow it because you had the actual experience of it. It wasn't something you talked about in therapy. It wasn't something you overanalyzed had a concept about. You just had the experience, the true experience. That's why a lot of times people come out of the breath and you had this, like, I can't say anything. I can't say any words. Like there's no words to put together all the, the wild ride of the lifetime that just went, went on for you over the course of the hour. I have to, I have to speak to that super quick because I, I don't want to lose this point because mm. you, you just bring, you brought up that experience I had at the end. I, and this is sort of what I was getting at before when I was asking you about your plant medicine experience. Mm. I've spoken a lot about different kinds of plant medicine dynamics and, and, and topics on this show. And, you know, I've, I've had experience with ayahuasca. I've had experience with DMT and, it was, and this might be something you hear a lot, my friend, but it, that experience with you at the end in that state of all I would say is, you know, I called it the rocket ship. I was still flying, was mm-hmm. very, was very similar, was very similar to landing and grounding after a, 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 a plant medicine interaction. And I say this to really highlight the point, and maybe I'll get your perspective on this, my mm-hmm. friend, the point that whether it's the breath, whether it's plant medicines, they are opening the doorway to this dance with consciousness. They are opening this doorway to this dance with spirit. Mm-hmm. And it again, it comes back to our conscious choice to decide what is the tool that we're going to use to get there. That's right. Well, I look, I think the breath is the best. And if I didn't think, think that I you wouldn't be doing it, I wouldn't be doing it. And that wouldn't be like passionately living every day of my life as this being my mission. So I'm biased, obviously, but in my own experience, like, and let me disclaim a bit, like I've got no problem with plant medicines. I've got no problem with other helpers to come in and like expand the human experience. No problem. None whatsoever. I've had those experiences myself, but why I think this work is so profound. And I'm not even saying it because it doesn't, it doesn't belong to me. I know I've said that like this work does not belong to me. It's not about me because I didn't do anything. Like we're on zoom and you laid down and you did what I told you to do. And I don't know why you did that, but you did it. 
and you got to have the experience. It's a gift you gave to yourself. And that's the power of it and why I think it's so profound. And I've heard a lot of exactly what you just said, people coming out and saying like that was profoundly the most spiritual experience of my entire life. And I was laying on my own couch. And I find that why it can be so profound and so powerful is because you did it. Like you didn't have to ingest anything. You didn't have to rely on some external substance or anything except yourself. You just relied on yourself and this insane thing experience. This wild altered state can happen and it happens so instantly. It, it starts unfur- unfurling in the first few minutes. And I say this all the time too. It's like, I'm, I keep doing it after a decade and hundreds of breaths and leading thousands of people through it because I'm constantly looking for like, I want that and this at the Mm. same time. I want to figure out how to blend my worlds. And for a lot, for as far as I can see, like I've done a pretty good job until I'm falling off a ladder and tearing my meniscus. <laughs> and being very human and very, very human. Yeah. And then I'm hobbling around on crutches, but you know, Oh yeah, please go. Uh, well, I want to, I want to give you some love here, Sarah, because I I agree with you and I disagree. And, and mm. this is in terms of what, what I disagree is with is the the role that you have in this situation. And believe me, I'm all about empowering the individual. And and this, I'll, I'll start with what I agree with, and I want to go into the disagreement. I, mm-hmm. I agree that, yes, it is me making the choice. Yes, it is me activating my breath. Yes, it is me interacting with the layers of fear and illusion and doing my own healing work. Yes, I agree. However, there is a, there is a very impactful component that is the loving intention of a space that is created. And you create a very specific intentional loving space. And this is actually what I want to go into now here. And and I want to shift this to shift this from effigy to Sarah slash effigy. And I what I would like for you to start with around this, and we're going to go into some deeper aspects. I want to come back to the sacral piece. Mm -hmm. But I guess first, you know, you've shared a quote with me that I want to share with everyone here. And you've said that you breathe people or you, you breathe or the, or the, or the breath breathes you, but you are channeling something in this space that the people are in. So I'm wondering if you could speak to, you know, your role here and what this means for you when you say that you breathe people. Right. So, well, I don't disagree with you at all because I know that like, I have all this experience, right? It's like, I've done, I was, I hurt my knee last night. I took a shower, I iced it. And then I laid down and I started breathing because it's the only medicine that I believe in and trust in. And it's something that I'm so connected to. And I believe in its healing power. And in seeing the thousands of people at this point that have gone through this process, like I just know something. I can't always put my finger on and and I do in the way that I talk of like, that's my personality of just like, I'm not doing anything like you're doing it. But I also know that like in the sub conscious world, like I, I do know that like, I do know how to create a space. I know how to project myself. Like I've been in rooms with people of 25, 30 people and everybody's breathing and someone will open their eyes and think that I'm right there with my hand on them. And then I'm actually on the other side of the room. But I can do that consciously. And I don't think it's, it's not that it's not important where I think, let me say this. 
where I think it's important is that I don't think we can heal ourselves on our own. I think we all need help. Everybody needs help. Like we cannot see ourselves. And part of what I'm trying to do is just shine a light. Be the mirror. Right. Be the mirror and to connect and to just say like, oh, and this is where I can become a channel and just like open up the portal and messages come in and it's like, okay, then my human self, I have to organize those pieces and then say, okay, it's this, this, this is the important piece for Harrison to hear right now so that he can integrate this. And then maybe you come back later and then more pieces start to organize and we can start to put the whole picture together. But that's yeah. what the, that's what the breath is for is for you to like download all the information. It's like, whoa, and then all the puzzle pieces get strewn across the floor. And that's where I know that I'm very helpful do is you, to. Sarah, do you know, the pieces. have you heard of, do you know what the term is or have you heard the term Ikaru, Ikaru, Ikaru? I do not. So I, I actually found that this is the role that you played I can't speak. So we did our session just for people listening to this episode. I did this session with Sarah, not one-on-one. I did it with a group of people. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I, so I can, I'll just speak for myself and how I experienced Sarah between in that experience and how she interacted with me. I, I saw you as the Ikaru and the, an Ikaru is a, um, is a South American, uh, Latin American term for, the, the songs that the shamans um, and the shamanistas would sing during a ceremony, a plant medicine ceremony to help the souls through the journey that they're going through. The, the, the music and the song would be a, would be an anchor, would be a guide, would be a light in the inevitable darkness that comes up that needs to be moved through and surrendered through. And I actually had that experience as I was, as I was experiencing you, when you were interacting with me and 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 saying certain things and and encouraging certain things or telling me to let go or hold or whatever the piece was, you were that light. You were that Ikaru in the darkness that helped me remember my power. Mm. Yeah. And I think this is you're just exhibiting exactly what I mean. It's like you need help and you needed to see that in that moment. And help might not not might not even be the right word, but like, sometimes we need other ears to listen to the universe on our behalf. And those messages come through at at divine moments. And if you're really open then and you can allow someone to come in and help be the conduit for those experiences, it can be so powerful. And I think that that is the beauty of like having someone actually facilitate. And this is where I think effigy is really different from other breathwork practices. Uh, from what I understand, and I don't have a ton of experience, but in my minimal research and what I hear from a lot of people that have done a lot of other breathwork techniques, and then they end up in effigies, a lot of it, people just like allow, allow whatever to go on. They don't stop people from doing anything. They just let them be in their distractions or let them stay in their head or whatever. And then And then part of the point is missed in my view of it. And what I'm here to do is to be involved. That's part, that's a component of the experience is my influence on the situation itself. So you've, and this is, goes back to the very first thing we were talking about of like me being a full stumbling through open doorways, like now coming into the consciousness around what my life is about is I'm intentional. I am super intentional. So I trust in that. And if I end up in a room with 10 people, I know that those 10 people are connected to each other. They're connected to me and they're connected to this experience that's happening at this moment in time. So that's a beautiful 
segue here, my friend, to what I want to ask you next and what I want to get you to speak to is this, mm-hmm. you know, you're, what you're hitting on in terms of everyone being connected to you. You're also this idea that there is something for Sarah in this experience. There is something that no doubt in, in, that you, and I talk about this through the channel being it, in my opinion, we're all divine channels around when we channel something for someone else. There's also something in that channel for us. And I'm wondering, Sarah, if you can speak to now the processing that you do when energies move through you, when you're maybe holding space for someone. So let me Mm -hmm. give an example. I, in my experience of the effigy breath, I experience a lot of challenge and pain in my sacral center. And I think a big part of that is, you know, our power, our, our connection to God in many ways, in my opinion, can be connected to our sacral, our creation center, our sensual center, our sexual center. So I'm wondering, Sarah, if you can speak to your experience in general to how you, one, how you interact with people and how you receive maybe a channel or energy that's being processed and what that looks like for you. Yeah, that's a great question. I, well, let me tell you how I got to where I'm at now, because I think in the contrast, it helps to sort of make more sense. When I first started, I was talking to Elijah about this last night, but I, when I first started, I just fundamentally did not want to touch people. I did not want to get involved. I was like, as soon as somebody started doing something crazy in the breath, I was like, Ooh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go near it. I was just scared of myself and like the weirdness that people are like, and just how they hold stuff. And it just all felt very mm, scary to me. And not only did I not want to get near it, but I would get these devastating headaches. So I had to really like, I would stay in the room. And it was, it was like magic. It was like, we would go into a room. I would get headache, like mind numbing blackness in the eyes. Like it was devastating. And then we walk out, totally taking it on. And we would walk out of the room and then I'd be like a new person. It was like watching a flower grow. I, I, and it was so confusing to my system because I was realizing like, oh, I'm really sensitive and I have no process for letting other people's energy move through me. Like I was just a one big, super big. Yeah. It was just, I was a sponge and I was just taking all of it on. So I had to really ritualize for myself and get into the practice of like how to off gas and the breath itself really helped me with that. So I would do a lot. I did a lot of breathing in that time when I was studying, not studying. That's not what I was doing. I was in the experience. I was like in the visceral experience of facilitating the breath for people. And so I did a lot of breathing and a lot of facilitating all at the same time. And what it did was clear up my channel in a way so that information, we'll call it like spiritual, empathic, intuitive information could come through and it could go out, Mm. could come in and go out. But I'm not doing that in some conscious way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, so I think this is so important for people to realize because this is not an effigy or breath work exclusive thing <laughs> most no. of us we no. we experience this when we go hang out with our family right we experience yeah. this when we go hang out with our friends and if we don't have these uh, like for me what this practice looks like is every single morning right i'm doing a chakra cleanse right every single morning right. i'm tuning into each of my energy centers and grounding it back into the earth and i do my own breathwork practice but if i didn't do that like you said there would be these sort of 
you know, detox symptoms that we have in the physical body, not to punish us, but to remind us of, hey, you're holding on to some shit that's probably not yours. You need to let that go, right? Right. And I think just to bring it out to the second part of your question around the sacral, like that for me, like, I think this is part of my human form. Like I'm an Aries. I'm like, if you don't know what I look like, I've got a fire red hair and I've just, I'm hot. Like I run hot. Like this is, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't drink coffee. I don't ingest anything that's going to alter my state. I'm just like this. Like, this is just what I am. I'm fired up all the time. Right. Like, this is just how I come into the world. Like my constitution is fired the fuck up. And I think (laughs) that's, that's part of why I'm drawn to something like this and where I connect to what your question is about around the sacral and the sensual is like, if, if I know anything, it's like, I know how to work with sexual energy. I know how to work with that sensual, intimate vulnerability. And that's something that I trained myself to do, but it's my favorite subject inside of. Let's talk about this, my friend, because I think this is really what I want to hit on here. I can say thank you for opening up this fieriness. And this is, this is, I think what I appreciate about you most, my friend is this fire inside of you that we get to experience going back to what you said about holding space for people, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason I was able to move through what I was able to move through is because some of that was rippling over to me, right? Some of your, right. your fiery essence. So let me ask you a question here. What do you think is the connection between, in your opinion, what is the connection between this sacral center and, mm-hmm. and you specifically processing through that area and mm-hmm. the breath and the breath? What's the connection here? Well, I think we're total, I think we're total holistic beings, right? And life comes from the sacral, sensual, sexual parts of ourselves. Like that is life, right? Like life doesn't exist without the breath and without sex. It just doesn't exist without those things. So of course they're connected. Of course. And to me, it's like, that's where our culture has done us no favors mm-hmm. in, uh, uh, with the, all the shame and the oppression and the repression around sex, just the pure act of sex. Like it's still going on. It's insane that this is the year that we live in. And there's still people shaming other human beings for for sex, it's insane that we could go off on a tangent over there. But to me, it's like, if you are activating that, the breath, which is the the biggest, most essential thing that you need, you could go a long time without sex. You can go a long time without food. You can go a long time without drinking anything. You can go a couple minutes it at the most without breathing. Like you need your breath for, to stay alive. But if you can activate all those parts of you that are repressed, conditioned, um, pushed down upon constricted collapsed. If you can access those and start to open them up through your own life force, then they can activate. And then you can see, it's not just about like, let's pleasure each other. It's not that it's about the, the most sacred, um, connection. And if you can use your breath to activate the sacred connection between two human beings, we're three human beings or five human beings or however you want to have your intimate time with people, then with other human contact, if you want to activate all of that, like, and, and you can connect it to your breath, it becomes spirit. It becomes open channel because of the 
connection that you're having with yourself and with other people. Oh, I love it. I love it, my friend. So this is one, I appreciate, I can feel the passion uh, riving up in you. And this is, <laughs> this is really what I wanted to hit on. So beautiful explanation. And let's go deeper with this because, and you were actually hitting on it right at the end there. I think the, the, the suppression and the repression of the shame and the guilt in the sacral center, a big part of that, let's just look at it through the religious paradigm. One of, a lot of that shame and guilt comes from religious programming, right, in our history, in our past, and now currently. And a reason for that through the religious lens was a belief that the sexual act is a disconnection from God. But in reality, and this is what I want to get your thoughts on here, it could not, it's it's a doorway to God. So this is another connection that I would I would assert here, and I want to get your thoughts on is that both the pleasurable sexual, sensual act, either with ourselves or with another, and the breath are gateways and openings to divinity, to our divinity that's inside of us. Would you agree with that, my friend? Yeah. I mean, I feel like if, if anyone has heard the last five minutes of this conversation, you like already know what I think that like, you can feel me. Like if you're listening, not with your ears, but with your heart, like, you know what I feel. And I feel like that's the, if there's one thing that has come, I mean, there's of all the hundreds of things that have come through facilitating and doing effigy breath has been this. It's like, oh, I am a person who is so connected to my body and I'm connected to like sexual energy, not being like what I'm going to use to go have sex or something, not that, but like the essence of sexual energy, which is passion. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's pu the purity mm -hmm. of passion in, in everything. And that's why it's like, it's your roots. It's the sacral. It's the, mm -hmm. it's just the, the underpinnings of where everything gets created. And to me, like that's, that's what sexual energy is about. It's about yeah. creativity. And the, and the effigy, just to put this point in here, the effigy, uh, breath itself the right it's it's very it's very sensual it's very sexual in yeah. many ways there is a there is a sexual uh connotation or a sexual you know image that you get when you connect to it. and i don't think that's a coincidence right i think the actual you know if you've had <laughs> if you've had interactions at all in the sexual act that kind of breath is probably going to come up in many ways right yeah yeah, it's a natural thing that can happen. And I think that's what's so interesting to me about the breath in general, or even just like this taking in like this, like that comes up everywhere, right? And it's like, yeah, it comes up in sexual situations. It comes up when um, anxiety, it comes up yeah. when, when you're in a traumatic experience. Like it's the, all the ways the body goes into natural um opening natural protection the the breath in itself in itself is just a natural protection to like allow the body to adapt really quick mm -hmm. and again creative mm -hmm. i love it sarah let's let's shift here now back mm -hmm. to moving up from the sacral back into the chest and the mm -hmm. heart area and this was actually one of the reasons I first sort of reached out to you and was interested in 
this breathwork at large was the focus not just on the on the chest but the focus on the heart right and mm-hmm. and i could not agree more with you with with what you said at the start of this chat in terms of the heart being the seat of the soul and the heart being the gateway to our spirit and you know with this breath really targeting the chest right targeting the heart it's very significant and i want to pull out a one of the things that you said at the start and i want let's break it down here and you've mm-hmm. said that the heart is the place where everyone is broken. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you could speak to that a little bit and what you mean by that. Yeah, I think, look, the human experience is really harsh. Like, I don't know one person that has no trauma, that has no issue. And if I did know them, they would not be in my class. I would be in theirs. And usually if they don't carry any of it now, it's because they've spent a lifetime working with it. So I think when I say everyone's broken, it's like, that's just from my own experience. I can see how we can all connect on suffering. Like watch an hour of the news cycle. It's nothing but suffering. It's nothing about one person against another person, about this person doing something to someone else. It's, it's so much suffering that we put on ourselves. And, and there's just so much trauma and so much um, internal uh, taking it on. I don't know how to say that differently, but it's like. That we do take it on. It's uh, <laughs> What I would say to this, my friend, and, and let's see how this feels for you. I would, I would say it's not that everyone is broken. I think everyone is stuck in their layers of illusion, in their layers of fear, in their layers of resistance, in their layers of separation. Because, and I say this because I speak about this a lot on this show, at an innate level, we are a a beautiful, complete, powerful, whole spiritual soul, right? But that's not just what we are, right? We are a soul that's, for most of us, we've been on this earth in a lot of different incarnations, right? This is what karma is. Karma, we make choices and we make either balanced karma or unbalanced karma. So we have all these these layers of separation and illusion that get stacked on mostly in that heart. And then we get, and this is where trauma comes in. I would define trauma as disconnection from self and that is within those layers right so often it's within the heart do you what what comes up around this for you yeah look we're saying the same thing just using different words i mean (laughs) we're it's the exact same thing i mean and the only other thing i was going to add is that like you know how you are going to translate trauma or your experiences or the world you're living in or the news cycle how you're going to translate that and how that's going to land inside your own body inside your own world inside your own human experience is not how I'm going to do it. And I think this is where the breath is a great equalizer because it's using a simple thing to open your heart so that all of that can lift just like the pressure just gets taken out a little bit. So you can feel the wholeness of your, the pure big S self. Mm. So it's, you're right. I mean, it's not that everybody's broken. I think I use that language because people understand heartbreak. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's, that's a common grief, heartbreak. It's like, if, if someone comes to my class and they don't know heartbreak, I'm like, I, I, I yield, I yield to you because that I want to know what, what is that? And how do I get to that? 
but uh, human beings that we know heartbreak and that's just the language that people understand and can connect to. Mm. Yeah. So I use it that way, but philosophically, yes, we are whole, we are whole beings and we're just trying to undo all the bullshit to come back and, and live. Yeah. Live inside our true purpose, true essence, true divinity. This brings up a, another question that just bubbled up as you were speaking and how many, just quickly, how many people, what's the most amount of people you facilitated a space for Sarah? You know, we did this thing in Boston several years ago. We called it the mega breath. (laughs) And I think there were like 80 people in the room. Wow. Okay. But that was, yeah, that was, I mean, that was 80 people in person, but we've done breaths recently online for more than a hundred. Wow. Yeah. So, and it, and to be clear, it doesn't matter, right? Like yeah. whether it's online, I know you know this, Sarah, but for people listening, whether it's online or it's on the other side of the world, where we're working is in the mm-hmm. quantum and there's no time and space, right? But right. Um, the question that I want to ask you is, and this comes from the plant medicine world, but I would actually connect this to what you're doing, mm. is there is a lot of fear that people have when they go do a ceremony, a plant medicine ceremony is the example here, that when they go do it with a group of people that within each individual's journey of their trauma release and their, and their, their healing and then removing through the layers, the, all the things that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. there's also a, a possibility that entities and, and energies are released that can then attach themselves to other people. So, mm-hmm. I'm wondering with you, my friend, within these big spaces, and this Mm -hmm. sort of connects back to our protecting your energy piece, but I'm wondering if you have more to this. When you're in these in these big spaces holding space for you know all these people, Mm -hmm. do you one, are you aware of your energetic parameters and are you putting up things to be careful? And two, have you noticed, you know, things coming at you that you've had to really put a put a ball up against? Well, I feel like how I'm going to answer this question could potentially be controversial. Please. I'm excited. (laughs) Give it to me. I, I think everything is an opportunity. Yes. Everything. So I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not looking for, and I'm certainly not being fucking careful. Pardon my language. I'm not being careful. If anything, I'm being the opposite of it. I'm like, let's get in here and make a mess. And I'm, I definitely don't want to minimize and say, like, I, I definitely think people carry entities for sure. I've been known to take on ghosts and things like that myself. I've been one of those sort of open portals that doesn't know where the line is. Um, and I also know that things, big things can get released. And depending on the person you are in the room, in the virtual or virtual space or otherwise, like, I know that it can people can be unconscious about Mm -hmm. where their own line is. Mm -hmm. I don't like the word boundary because I think that's a fucking illusion. Pardon my language. I just think it's an illusion to someone to be like, and this is a boundary. I think people would probably look at me and say, well, what you're doing is setting a boundary. And and maybe that's true. We could get into the semantics of it, but I don't like boundaries because I just think it's a, that's an illusion. Like we're all connected, but Mm -hmm. what you're asking about is like, Am I careful? Am I worried about something like that? Is there any possibility for unsafety here? Well, 
this is why we're all in a free choice. It's why I have people sign a waiver before they come because you've got to be responsible for your own human experience. And if you ask me anything that happens inside of the space that I, I'm leading, I'm ju- just talking about myself. Mm-hmm. If I'm leading it and something happens and you need to talk about or process it, I will always find the opportunity 100% of the time. Because let's just use your example, right? It's like an entity coming in and attaching to somebody else. There's still a lesson in here. Yes. Yes. There's a yes. lesson in here about that you need. Yes. And I don't know why you might need that lesson of like taking on the entity or processing somebody else's shit for them. I don't know why you need that, but you do. Otherwise mm. it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So big. Um, so we we might we might be uh, soul soul sisters or soul um, twins in some way, my friend, because I could not yeah. agree with you more. Right, that what you just highlight all of what you said, but specifically that last piece of seeing the meaning for the mess. Right, the message behind. You know, it's so easy for us. And again, because I've just done a couple of episodes on this, this idea of being so fearful of the the entities that are attached, and we we jump so quickly to ruling out the experience or ruling out the medicine or ruling out the breath, but not asking the question, why did that happen in the first place? Why did I, why did I attract that thing into my field? Because we know that right. we, we live in a law of resonance and law of reflection where if an entity is coming into my field, it's not just coming into my field because we live in this religious uh, world where there's evil things around the corner try, out there to get us. No, it's coming right. in because there's something for us to see and acknowledge and feel and move through. Right. Because you're a cosmic love antenna. <laughs> like I, I'm serious. Like it's your antenna is up not to attract some negative bullshit. And just because you're translating it as negative doesn't mean that it is. It doesn't mean that it is. I had a conversation this morning with a friend of mine who she was just trying to buy a house the day before her house closed. Didn't didn't go through. She, at the same time, her business got audited and was like in this whole insurance debacle at the same time, started dating somebody who decided that he was going back to another partner. Like, and it all happened in a matter of like three days. And she was like, what's going on? And I was like, surrender, surrender. This is your opportunity to surrender. But if you look at all the, just those three pieces of something happening in the matter of days in someone's life, like that's some real messed up stuff. That if you're a certain kind of person that doesn't seize the op- see the opportunity or take it for what it is, then you're just living in reaction, in reactivity to the external world as if you don't have agency. Mm-hmm. It's like me falling off that stupid ladder last night. Like, do I love that I'm hobbling around? I'm supposed to go on vacation in two weeks to Mexico with my friends. We've been planning for months what am I going to do? Go on crutches. But I'm like, I'm not going to worry about that yet. Mm-hmm. I can't. There's something here right now. Yeah. The upset is so important. It's such an opportunity to learn about your life and it's never ending. It doesn't end. Mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying this conversation, my friend, and I really enjoy you as the soul that you are thank you for being in this world and thank you for really standing in your power and standing in that fieriness that your soul expresses i i have two more questions here to to wrap up and to so i can let you go 
so you can go and dissect that that beautiful <laughs> foot. Um, I want I want to go back to one of my experiences that I shared at the start, and I just want you to elaborate on it because I I actually found a lot of solace when you explained it, and I had never looked at it from this perspective before, and I actually really put some dominoes over in my head and I hope it can do for other people as well. And it's mm. the idea of the, the, the dinosaur hands, right. And the, oh, and yeah. the, and the cramping of the hands and but specifically the hands and the feet. Yeah. And I want, I want you to briefly speak to the, the idea of the energetic release, right. You speak yeah. about it through the terms of the hands and the feet being mm-hmm. the pathways of release. So can you speak to that point? Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that back up because I felt, I knew there was some piece that we were missing that we had talked about. And I think, the hands and the feet, the, that energy kind of cramping up energy is it, it's connected to every single thing we've talked about already, but it is just resistance, right? It's like, first of all, if this was some medical problematic thing, everybody would get it, but not everybody gets it. But it really is when you start opening up the meridians, these energetic channels of the body and all of it starts moving at the same time, everything wants to get out. So the, the hands, feet, mouth are exit points for these energetic, uh, freeways mm-hmm. of the body of the, the actual physical body. And I see the hands, especially as agents of the heart. It's how we touch the world. It's how mm-hmm. we affect, affect what we're doing. It's like you go and lay your hands on someone. They can feel it. I lay my hands on someone. I know what, how I'm influencing the space, the energy and the hands to me are just so they're super powerful and they're so, mm-hmm. um, that's the word I'm looking for. It's just metaphoric. Like the hands are everything. It's just, a, they're a metaphor for how you touch the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think this cramping up this, this blockage, it's just garbage. Like it's energetic garbage. that's trying yeah. to be taken out and you yeah. don't have to think about it. You don't have to analyze it. It's like when you take the garbage out, do you look, go out, undo the bag and lay, lay out all your garbage and look at it and say, well, what's this piece about? What's that? No, you don't. You put it in the bag and you throw it in the bin and you let it go. And that's all that that's about. And I think what you're talking about in those energetic releases, it's like, it can be, this is where I think the body is so magical and so profound. It's like in an instant, if you free yourself from the connection that you're making between it. It's like, this is painful. This sucks. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this. If you can, you can include all of those things and still breathing you. I've said this before. You're free. You can liberate yourself because when these things don't matter so much, when I don't like, this doesn't matter when this is uncomfortable, when this hurts or this I'm fucked up or whatever that you connect to that thing and you can keep breathing. And that the breath itself overrides any of the thought processes that are limiting you can immediately and spontaneously heal Mm -hmm. you can immediately and spontaneously release Mm -hmm. and it's it you don't know it until it happens yeah i i experienced that that's what i (laughs) that's what i experienced in the session and a couple things i'd add here is you you talked about the the fingers you know the hands holding and the feet holding that energetic garbage Mm-hmm. And it's 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 not just energetic garbage that's connected to the hands. In my experience, <laughs> right. the hands and the feet are one of the last places something more internal shows up. So that's right. Just I, I want to just want people to know that that thing that they feel in their hands is probably 
a aspect of something deeper internally, whether for me it was my sacral, whether for you it's the heart or the solar plexus mm-hmm. or wherever it is, it's connected to that internal deep space that now has the opportunity to come out through the hands and the feet, right? Um, and I also felt, because you spoke about the meridians, one of the ways that I was speaking to a friend about this experience was that I actually felt, because I teach a lot about the chakra system, and I'm, and I'm sure you talk about it too, we don't just have the seven main chakras. We have chakras in each of our fingers. And I was able to feel that when I had that release, mm-hmm. I actually was able to connect to each. I could feel each of the, each of the chakras in each of my fingers. And, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was a beautiful experience. Yeah. I think it's, um, you don't, it, you won't know what we're talking about until you experience it for yourself. And, you know, when I first started doing the breath, i got, more than anybody I usually see or do the breath with now, I had all of this so much in my hands and my elbows, in my sacrum, in my knees, like in my mouth is everywhere. And I would, it got to the point where it was so bad and so ridiculous that I would always, I'd end up opening my eyes and like, someone take my picture, take the video. Like I wanted to see how crazy I looked because it felt so insane. And now I don't get any of it none of it. I mean, here's something interesting. When I lay down last night to do some breathing, when my knee was hurting, I was breathing, breathing, breathing. And my whole right leg was kind of numb. And the rest of my body started buzzing. And I was like, huh? Like, that's so interesting. And it's like, we are energetic electric beings. We are like, I have visceral experience of it. And I'm like, okay, I got a little trauma going on in my right leg right now. Um, but I don't get any of this anymore. So I think the body can just be really dense and you start doing a practice like this and do a lot of it. All you're doing is opening up your intuitive and empathic channel and taking out all of the debris. And this is how I think it can really change your life instantly without doing much thinking about it at all. Yeah. The body, the body keeps score and the body tells a story of your life. And each time you do these experiences that you just outlined, you're starting to rewrite that story. You're starting to, you know, change the score. So of course it's going to be, we are a beautiful system of systems that is dynamically moving throughout time and space and changing all the time. So it's, you know, when you say that and that evolution of your body, that makes total sense to me. Sarah, I love you very much. Thank you for your time today. I've had a pleasure talking to you. I have one last question, but before I get, (laughs) before I, before I get to that, I want to give you the space now. If people one, want to connect to you in general, but mm-hmm. two, want to want to do a breathwork practice, want to do effigy either with you one-on-one or uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a workshop container, where, where would you like to send them? You can go to effigybreath.com. That's E-F-F-I-J-I-B-R-E-A-T-H.com. And there's a way to contact me there. There's a way to learn effigy. There's a way to sign up for a class. I would say that if you get anything from this conversation and you feel excited, just come to our virtual class. We do one class a month. If um, you have a group of people that want to do that, all want to do this, I'm I'm definitely open to creating uh, extra spaces for breaths to happen. If you're anywhere near Louisville, Kentucky, I'm, I'm doing classes here every week. Um, but I just go to that website and sign up for our newsletter, sign up, just get the um, tutorial because that's going to connect you to me. And if you've got any questions, anybody can email me. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. 
at Effigy Breath. We're the only ones out there with that name. So pretty easy to find that way. But if you want to email me, you can email me at effigy at effigybreath.com. And as always, lovely listeners, I'll put all of those details, those links in the show notes. So you can just click on whatever you're listening on, go to the details and you should be able to click the clickable link to go straight to the website. And I just speak to Sarah. She's very modest, but she she's a beautiful, powerful heart. And that she actually put on the container, the workshop for me and a part of my tribe and was very easy and loving to work with. So I'd highly recommend that route if you're feeling called. Sarah, my final question here is this is the cosmic love antenna and this spirit and connection that we've talked about in many different forms today, this, this, this self, this big self connection, this consciousness, this God connection for me it is, it is love. It is made of love, right? I had a, you know, without going off into another story here, but I, mm-hmm. I, I had a, I grew up in a Catholic household and, and community and culture found very disillusioned with that as a higher self became atheist. And then I actually came back to my higher power with the realization that I could, I could connect to that higher power through love. So mm-hmm. my question for you, my friend is in your world, how do you define that love word? I don't know that I can define it in words. It's just something I can feel. Like, I don't know. And maybe I don't understand completely your question, but I feel like to put it into words diminishes the the real power of, of um, love and connection. And, you know, what comes to mind too, a friend of mine just lost his brother and his brother wrote a, a message to all of his family and friends. And my friend shared his message out. And there was one thing that he said in there that was so simple, but it's like, Oh, right. We all know this, but he, this man is dying. Like within days of writing this message, he was dying young man. And he said, there's love everywhere. Love is everywhere. Just open your eyes, people. Like it's everywhere. And when you're faced with your own mortality, it's just brighter you can see it in that just struck my heart. It's like, Oh, right. Like to be in the visceral experience of love always as the forefront of your own existence. Like that experience is just, un, it's undefinable because it's a feeling it's, and I feel to, I feel like I'm a lucky, I'm a, one of the lucky ones. I really do. I feel like I've been lucky enough to have so many experiences and so many connections and just to speak to you too, because you keep complimenting me, but you ask great questions and you do know how to tap into the light and the heart of what someone is. And I've listened to your podcast and I think that's what you're doing really beautifully of like you you know what the essence of someone is and you just ask those questions to like get to the heart of what someone is really about. So I appreciate how you ask the questions. It's, it's easy for me to give my heart when I am being reciprocated and seen for what my own essence is. So even that alone, it's like, yeah, I don't want to define this. I don't want to put words on it because it's just, um, I'm in the visceral experience. And I think that's beautiful in itself, my friend. So first of all, love received. I I thank you for seeing that as my power as you're explaining your definition and your experience with love, the quote that came through for me is from Rumi and the, and the, and the Rumi quote is love holds everything together. And it's, and it's also the everything. 
So it's it's love is the pieces, the mm. connection, and it's everything that the connection is within. So yeah, my friend, thank you for your time today. It's been a beautiful pleasure. I hope that this has met the hearts of all the people listening. If you've gained some value today, gained some guidance, beautiful podcast listeners, please remember you can share this podcast out far and wide to a friend, a family member, or a lover that you connect to very deeply. But regardless, Sarah and I, we love you very much. We'll catch you next time here on the show. But until then, have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye, everyone. Before I leave you today, beautiful beings, I'm so excited to share a special announcement just with you. On the 20th to the 23rd of April, 2023, I and a fellow guest of the show, the beautiful Ali Paws, will be hosting live in Tulum, Mexico, the Cosmic Heart Tour. If you listen to this podcast week to week and you resonate with my frequency, with my voice, with my love in any of the topics I share with you, then most likely it is time for us to connect and heal in person. So I invite you to join us in Mexico. Join us for some meditations, activations, yoga, cranial sacral therapy, a book release, a live Q&A, poetry, and so much more. These spots are going to fill up super quick because our intention is to make this exclusive and intimate. So please DM me, Cosmic Heart Tour, on any of my social channels. That's Cosmic Heart Tour on any of my social channels, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and we'll book in a meeting so you can join the love. I'm so excited to connect with you in the flesh. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna with me, your host, Harrison. If you gain value or this episode hit your heart, please remember to share this out with a friend, a family member, or a lover. You can also leave your love over on Apple Reviews and Spotify Star Feedback, and this helps me spread my frequency to more souls in need. Finally, if you want to connect with me deeper, want to reach out, interested in coaching, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Harrison Ma, Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sending you so much love. there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Hey, what's happening out there, everybody? This is Lawrence Ross, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my podcast, The Lawrence Ross Show. Egomaniac. It's a two-hour weekly exploration into my mind. I also do sketches, celebrity impersonations. You're out of order! And I also do song parodies. Not too shabby for a blind guy. Not only are you visually impaired, but you are geographically impaired. New episodes are released every Friday. Check it out on your favorite podcasting platform or listen to it here on Society 13 on Electrocast. Electric acid.